where I play, as long as I go number one in the draft. From the Erie Otters, Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Western Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about. It's that playing attitude. And quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Faryastad of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there, and welcome to Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He will be along shortly, but how about that logo behind me? The Duckman's Domination, a member of the ultimate... Franchise Fantasy Hockey League, and it is awesome. I am so excited to have uh, this jersey um, with me up behind the set. You got the patches on the arms, the logo designed by my friend Chris Ionson. Uh, Man, I am so excited to be a part of this league. Uh, They're a part of my shows, and it's, you know, your fantasy hockey league is not real until you have a jersey. So there you go. Duckman's domination um, in the fold. Love it. All right, uh, this is episode eight. As mentioned, Craig will be along shortly. The stars of tomorrow are discovered here. And today we're going to discuss what is going on with the World Juniors. Uh, We are recording this Wednesday afternoon, so lots of things can change, but teams are supposed to be arriving on Sunday, so we'll try to get the latest and and what might happen moving forward with the tournament uh, as far as uh, Craig's knowledge is concerned. We're also going to take a look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Winnipeg Jets. When it comes to the World Juniors, what players are you guys as Leafs and Jets fans going to be eyeing during this tournament, and we will have three mini-profiles today. Oscar Olison, uh, Ryder Korzak, uh, and Sean Behrens. Uh, so those three players we will take a look at as we move along the show. And as mentioned, Craig joins us on the UFFS hotline. Check it out, www.uffsports.com. It's the ultimate franchise fantasy sports platform. In that platform, already we have an NHL league, the UFHL. And they have just launched, and they're, they're well, they, the, the league hasn't started because nobody's playing, but they do have the league ready to go, the UFAHL, Fantasy Hockey at the American Hockey League level. And remember, this is all on the blockchain. This is crypto. This is digital assets that you will own. So you can be an owner. You can be an AHL owner. You can be a scout. You can apply to be a GM. There's lots of owners that just don't have time to run their team, so they hire somebody. And, yeah, this is high stakes. Our, our prize pool is over 50000 uh, for next year. Uh, franchises are selling in the thousands of dollars. So it's high stakes, high reward, but it is the ultimate fantasy platform out there, the most realistic platform that you are definitely going to find anywhere. So... That's how Craig joins us. Let's bring in the former GM right now. 
he is. The director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. Plus, he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it. Craig Button. Well, Craig, uh, as the world turns, uh, we get more news every day about what is happening with the uh, upcoming World Junior Championship. And, you know, we know Sweden has had problems. We know Germany has had problems. You know, what's the what's the kind of the latest that you're hearing about uh, the World Junior and, you know, players and coaches being impacted? Well, you know, I think that, uh, you know, each and every country is, is trying to you know, get themselves in, in, into a self-contained uh, environment. And, and with it, you know, when players are coming from m many different places uh, within the respective countries, uh, and we saw it with Hockey Canada at, at the outset of, uh, of their camp in Red Deer, uh, you know, a positive test with a staff member, then two players tested positive, and then a 14-day quarantine. You know, I think it speaks to... Uh, you know, the understanding that Hockey Canada had uh, with respect to having the camp so far in advance of, uh, of the World Junior Tournament to try to mitigate against these types of uh, situations. And, and certainly, as we've seen with the pandemic and with the virus, is that, you know, it, it can rear its ugly head at any point in time. Now, I, I believe that one of the one of the most difficult things for the other countries is that they've been having uh, participation in their respective leagues, and you know they didn't have the same opportunity as Canada did to start a camp earlier. So I, I would say that uh, it's not surprising that there has been uh, some positive tests. Uh, you know, obviously in Sweden, uh, we saw it in Germany. Uh, th there's been one. Uh, with Austria, Timo Nickel, uh, a draft pick of the Anaheim Ducks who plays in Drummondville, uh, tested positive, and he's unavailable uh, for the World Junior Hockey Tournament. So uh, I, I think it's, it's not unexpected. And at the same time, I think everybody is, is hopeful and continues uh, to cross their fingers that uh, there's no further uh, positive tests uh, revealed within the group because, you, you know, the deeper you get into your team uh, environment with players and with staff, uh, you know, the, the difficulty in, in, in being able to fully participate becomes, uh, you know, more and more, uh, I, I wouldn't say impossible, but, you, you know, you want to ice your best team and you want to be able to do things uh, with your staff and you know and that becomes a little bit more difficult to maybe do because you don't want to expose others and then getting into the bubble in Edmonton uh, I mean it's it's another it'll be another four or five days uh, before the players and the staff and the countries get in there and, and then it's another four or five days to wait for all those tests to come through so I, I, I think that we're we're in a we're, we're in a hold our hold our hopes high uh, moment and, and and that won't uh, you know that won't expire for at least uh, another another week or ten days you know once once the bubble is secure and it's no different than what happened with the NHL with respect to you know moving from phase three and then getting everybody into the bubble and 
I, I think one of the real positives is, is that, you know, the bubble in Edmonton, you know, they're working off of the manual and, and, and the experience that they garnered from the NHL uh, uh, return to play is something that's really uh, something they can apply. But, you know, at the same time, uh, you have to you have to really just try to lock it down as best as you can to try to keep to, to try to keep the virus out, because as we've seen, once the virus gets in, uh, it, it, it can spread very quickly. Yeah, and it's just getting to that point. I think teams scheduled to arrive on Sunday. You and I are recording this on Wednesday. Lots can change between then and now, but eight teams is the minimum that you can hold this tournament with, correct? I think so. I, I, I mean, the one thing I've learned over the course of, uh, of the pandemic is uh, I, I don't think you can make hard and fast rules in certain instances. You know, look what happened with MLS. Uh, you know, there was a number that they had a plan and then there was a number of teams that just had uh, a, a too many uh, tests. So they weren't they just weren't able to participate in that return to play bubble in that tournament that they had uh, when the MLS came back to play uh, in the summertime. And, and that was just a reality. So, uh, you, you know, you can make contingency plans with less than uh, uh the 10 teams and it could be nine it could be eight you know there's a uh, you know there's a lot of effort that has been put forth in trying to put on this tournament so i, I don't want to uh say that you know if you don't have eight teams you can't have a tournament because I, I don't know that to be the case and the the one thing like as i just said is is i i, I think you you have to really allow for some latitude in in, in what you can do in the case of uh you know, some some situations that prevent you from having a full complement of teams. Yeah, I would take two team. I would take a two team tournament if that's all we got, just to be able to watch <laughs> some great yeah. international hockey. And you know, there's a lot of Canadians out there and uh, cheering for their teams that want to see their prospects play. And let's uh, jump over to the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. When we talk about this World Junior Tournament, who do the Leafs have to look forward to? Well, I mean, I think you start right with Nick Robertson. Uh, I mean, uh, he played in the tournament last year. He, you know, he played in some games in, in the return to play with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He, I mean, he's a he's a prolific scorer. He's a he's a dynamic player, and and, and somebody that you know finds ways to be very dangerous, and then he finds ways to to finish. And he's elusive. He, he, and he's not just a goal scorer. He's also a really good playmaker. I, I don't think that Nick gets enough credit for being a really good playmaker and using that to his advantage to create scoring opportunities for himself. You know, he moves in the spots and he makes you think that, uh, you know, he might shoot and then he, he's got really, really good vision and really good hands to make those plays that can create scoring chances for others, which you know, really gives him, uh, you, you know, uh, 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 an array of tools to be able to, to threaten offensively. And, and he does. And, you know, I, I know there was some talk about, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to wait and see, you know, depending on when a training camp may or may not start or what the, what the NHL's return to play is. You know, I, I know Nick's played games for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I think that this would be extremely, and this is me talking, extremely beneficial uh, for him to go through the World Junior Tournament. And, you know, when it completes, 
you know, join the Toronto Maple Leafs at that point in time. Uh, I, I think going through progressions of challenges and trying to be, uh, you know, a real key performer, if not a top performer uh, in your age group at the various levels is, is something that's only going to help you. And I don't think teams, in my view, teams shouldn't be looking at it in a short-term five-day, seven-day, ten-day window about, oh, we need to have him in training camp. Him participating in the World Journeyman, as I feel like this about all players, I think benefits them for years beyond just thinking about five, seven, ten days. I'm with you on that one uh, for sure. So that uh, Christmas Day game is going to be really interesting for the Leafs, not just for <laughs> Nick Robertson, but they're playing USA-Russia, great rivalry, Christmas Day. Leaf fans might be torn. Uh, yeah, they, they very well may be, right? Because uh, it, it's not like, uh, you know, Leafs fans are, you know, going to be rooting for the USA or going to be rooting for the Russia, Russians per se. But Rodi and Amirov, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs first round draft pick in 2020, I mean, he's going to be a, a real key player for Russia at this World Junior Tournament. He's, he's, he's had a good season thus far in the KHL. And, you know, he, he, he can skate. He, he scores in and around the net. He attacks in and around the net. He's got quickness in his mind. He's got quickness in his feet. And he's got quickness in his hands. And one of the things I love about Rodion is, is that he, he's really good at finding that space, call it 15, 18 feet in and around the net, uh, to operate. And, and he finds those pucks and he finds the ability to, to move to the right areas to where the puck is coming or where a play can open up. And, you know, when we look at where, where you score goals from, Rodian Amirov finds himself in exactly those spots. And, you know, I think as Toronto Maple Leafs fans tune in to watch uh, Amirov play, I, I don't think there's going to be uh, any doubt that they'll be impressed with the way he plays and, and the way he approaches the game. And I expect him to be a, a real key performer uh, for Team Rush at the World Junior. Well, in Winnipeg, anytime Canada scores, they will be uh, cheering like proud Canadians. <laughs> but when it's Cole Perfetti, they'll have a little bit of an extra cheer. And he's probably going to give them a lot of reasons to cheer at this year's tournament, isn't he, Craig? Well, Cole's a, a, a really gifted offensive player. And, you know, the, Team Canada's group of forwards is, is very, very strong. And, and, and they're going to be uh, very deep offensively right through their forward group. And, you know, wherever Cole is going to be playing on this team, I, I, like, like he's going to find a way to produce. And that, that's been the case with Cole all the way through. I, I use the term, the the... the his whole of his game is greater than the sum of its parts. You know, he's not going to overpower you physically. He's not going to overwhelm you with this blazing speed or dazzling stick handling. But you watch him play and you go, who just made that play? Oh, that was Cole. Oh, who just had that scoring chance? Oh, oh, that's Cole. Oh, how did he just get open? Oh, there's Cole again. And, you know, he... he He's got exceptional hockey sense. And when I say exceptional, I gave him a six out of five for hockey sense going into the 2020 draft because I think that it stands out to that level. And I think that's a huge reason why the whole is greater than the sum of the parts because he, he uses his mind and he processes the game at, at, at a very, very fast rate. And then when he does have the puck, he, he has this 
great confidence of holding the puck uh, to let a play develop, to, to allow somebody to get open. And, and then he can find a way to take advantage of that. And I, I think that those are the things that translate to the NHL. And that's why when I say it doesn't matter, he doesn't have to be on your first line to score. He doesn't have to be on the power play. He, he finds ways to be offensively productive, and, and he's not a one-trick pony. He does it in many different fashions. Well, I mentioned that Leafs fans might have a choice depending on their allegiance, uh, and Jets fans on New Year's Eve, uh, you know, when Cole Perfetti does something, they'll be cheering, and then when Finland's Ville Hainola does something, they'll have reason to cheer, and and like Perfetti, this is a guy who you should expect to see some impressive things from. Yeah, there is. So, so if you're going to pay Jets fan, isn't this the ideal situation on New Year's <laughs> Eve? Canada wins 4-3 in overtime. Perfetti has uh, three goals, including the winner in overtime, one assist, and Hainola trips in with two goals and one assist, right? Wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't that be the perfect <laughs> outcome for, for Jets fan? But, but Vili, this will be his third World Junior Tournament. He was, he was a member of the uh, gold medal winning team in Vancouver. He didn't play the last two games because of an injury, but the fact that as a seventh-year-old defenseman, he was on such a successful team speaks volumes about Ville. Uh, last year at the tournament, I, I thought he was in full control of the game, you know, defensively, offensively. He, he, he can play a lot of minutes. Uh, he, he's really, really adept at understanding what needs to happen in any particular area of the game at any particular moment. So, I mean, keeping the puck alive in the offensive zone, making a good pass that creates a scoring chance, beating pressure in the defensive zone, the outlet pass, making uh, plays in transition and understanding I need to jump up into the attack. I think he's an underrated uh, defensive player. He, he really understands how to gain leverage on opponents and get underneath them. His body position is, is excellent. And he, he, he is the he is just the, the classic young defenseman where time, more time is going to help him as he, as he physically matures. Because everything else in his game is really strong. From the hockey sense to the understanding of how to play, he, he doesn't get himself into compromising positions with respect to chasing plays. And when you have a defenseman that is so steady and so even, I mean, they're hallmarks of successful teams. So let's go back to the 2019 uh, Finnish World Junior Team gold medalist. There was a reason he was on that team, and it, and there was a reason they won the gold medal. It's because of players like Vili Heinola, and uh, I think he's going to have a long, uh, very good, productive career for the Winnipeg Jets in the NHL. Yeah, when you have a guy who is calm, cool, and collected on the uh, back end, it makes everything else uh, so much easier. Craig joins us, courtesy of the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. Scouting is a huge part of the platform and the lifeblood for franchises in the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. Any free agent, any player goes through a scout. So get in the game where you own the game and start putting your scouting talent to good use. Plus, the UFAHL has begun. They're expanding to the American Hockey League, and that's just the beginning. Let the brass know what league you want them to start up on Twitter, at UFF Sports. Get in the game where you own the game, UFFSports.com. All right, Craig, let's get into some uh, profiles now, um, the uh, three mini profiles that we're going to do today, and we're starting in Sweden. And uh, Oscar 
Uh, Olison uh, absolutely ripped up the Junior 20 League 14 <laughs> games this year. He had 27 points, 16 of them goals, before he gets moved to the SHL. That's going to have people taking notice because I noticed not a lot of people have this guy ranked as a potential first-rounder right now. I think that's going to change, don't you? Well, I, I can only tell you this: uh, if, if he's not rated, if he's not a first-round pick, I, I, I want to see thirty-one players or thirty-two players in this year's draft that are better than this guy. You know, his progression has been has, has been really, really uh, significant. But he's always had. Uh, a real confidence to his game is the ability to do things and try things. He's creative. He, he he's imaginative, and and he's not afraid to. You know, I'm going to use this word in the in, in the most flattering of terms. He he's not afraid of trying to be a little bit entertaining, mm. and I love that. Yeah. You know, like in, in, with respect to some of the moves he makes, and you know, he does little backhand plays to himself, a little pirouettes and between the legs and you know so I, I love that part of him I love I love the fact that he's he's got a flair to his game but don't just look at the flair his hands puck skills are outstanding his ability to handle the puck in tight areas and maneuver and you know I use the term hand deception you know good players use hand deception they they put their stick and their hands in a position and they make you think you're going to do one thing and they set you up and then they either make a pass or they can or they can handle the maneuver the puck in and around you and and then they're always able to to get the puck where they want to have the puck to take full advantage. And that's exactly what he's able to do. He's a good skater. He's got agility. He's got, he's got mobility and quickness in his skating. And, and he's got a mind. Like, he, he wants to make things happen offensively. He, he's not one of these dazzlers outside the guts of the action. He's attacking in the action, and he's moving. He's not a static player. He's always moving. He'll give up the puck, and he wants to get the puck back, or you know, he he's looking to be open so he can get that puck. And to me, I mean, his level of play just continues to rise. And like I said, if there's 32 players better than this guy, then this is gonna be one heck of a draft. Okay, and he also physically matured in the last little while yeah, and obviously hasn't is. you know, uh, affected them. Some guys can have trouble with that growth spurt. Is there anything you see holding him back? Is he, or is he a fairly well-rounded player in your opinion? Well, I, I love him for what he is. And, and here's what I would say, Dave. Like, you know what? He, here's some of the comments you might hear about him. Oh, he's a little bit of a high-risk player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. You know what he is? He's a high-reward player. Yep. See, I, I have zero problem with risk. Zero. Okay. I just want to know what the reward is with risk. Mm-hmm. So if, 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 if it's low risk and no reward, who cares? Like it's always trying to balance out what risk are you taking to get the reward, right? So it, it, some, some players are a little bit more high risk, but the rewards are tremendous. What I, what I don't want to see is players that are high, high risk with very little reward. Right. I see a player that delivers high rewards. That's not how I look at it. And you, you'll probably hear things like, oh, he's not good defensively. Oh, mm-hmm. really? Okay. Like, measure him and evaluate him for what he is. And like I said, he's got, he's got an entertaining quality to his game. And I love it. 
I, I love that. I'm not a I'm not a flash and dash guy. I'm not I'm not bedazzled by the dazzling place. But when you have really good skills, really good confidence in playing, bring on the entertainment, bring on the dazzle. He's got that. Well, and you know, um, defensive play can be worked on as long as the oh. words lazy and things like that don't come up with a player. And I know that I can work with him. I'll take the risk reward guy and, and work on the other stuff later. As long as that the work ethic is there and, and things like that. Those are those are the character flaws that you need to to start worrying about. The rest of the stuff can be worked on as you go while enjoying the rewards of the risk you talk took. <laughs> Well, and, and Dean, you know, expertly put, and what I would say to you too is, is I know nothing about any flaws uh, of a character nature. So yeah, he, he'll work on those. But again, I see lots of players like, uh, like with lots of risk in their game and, and there's just no rewards there. Mm-hmm. And I see lots of players with low risk in their game and no rewards. They, yeah. they, like you need rewards. He understands that there's going to be risk inherent with any type of rewards but to me the the, the return is far greater than the risk and, yeah uh, and th- give it to me every time this is massive hyperbole here craig but brett hall wasn't the greatest defensive player either and he had 86 goals in one season i'm not saying at all this is the situation but in terms of that he's not that great of a defensive player oh well he put 86 goals in the other net okay a little story time for you yes yes Harry Sinden said this about Ray Bork many, many years ago. He said, you know, Wiley, he goes, you know, you watch Raymond Bork and you watch, you, you know, it's easy to pick out uh, in a game a mistake he makes here or a mistake he makes there. And he goes, you know, usually in the course of a game, uh, Raymond's going to make two or three mistakes. He goes, and, and, and sometimes one of those mistakes, the puck might end up in our net. He goes, but every game that we have Raymond Bork on the ice, he does 19 or 20 things that help us win a lot more games than we lose. And he goes, if I try to eliminate the two or three, I'm also going to eliminate the 19 or 20. He goes, it's not a trade-off I'm willing to make. Yeah, indeed. Uh, that's exactly the great way to look at it. All right, let's take a look at Ryder Korzak, a right winger with Moose Jaw in the Western Hockey League. And he just missed the 2020 draft, I think by like eight days or something like that. Where do you think he would have fit in had he have been there? And, and, you know, how do you look at him going into 2021? Jeez, you're asking me that question. I never answer. I never <laughs> do cross drafts. You know, and I get asked this question all the time, and now, now you're making me have to go through it, right? I, I don't know. Like honestly, Dean, I I don't know. I I try to evaluate players based on you know that particular group of players for that draft and what their mm-hmm. NHL potential is. Here's how I'll answer it. I think Ryder Korzak has really good uh, NHL potential. So does that change from last year's draft to this year's draft? No. You know, having not gone through the exercise of, you know, trying to evaluate him vis-a-vis, I don't know where he would go. But, mm-hmm. but I, think, I think that Ryder has a game much like Charlie Coyle of the Boston Bruins. I, 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 like I, like I think he can do, do so many different things for your team in a game. I, I think you have to understand what the expectations are. I think like Charlie, he came into the league as a first-round draft pick. 
got traded, uh, you know, in a, in a pretty significant deal for Brent Burns. There's this expectation that he was going to be a scorer and that he would put up all these points. And I think once he got into Boston and he could just be who he was, I think the rest of his game just took care of itself. Like, you know, when, when you're put in a position where you're saying, oh, I got to score. I got like, oh, my, like, you know, because players want to please the coaches. They mm -hmm. hear the criticism. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, you know, in, in organizations. Where they say, oh, yeah, we need you to score more. So now you put more pressure on yourself. All I know is this. You know, you want to get players into the right positions where they can maximize their talents and their abilities. Now, obviously, Charlie's playing in Boston behind Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. And I think it's an ideal fit for Charlie. He can score a little bit more because the pressure to score isn't there. But he, but he plays really good, strong two-way hockey. He kills penalties. He can skate. He can push his way into the game physically. And I, I think Ryder has those types of qualities. I think Ryder can play on the right wing. I think Ryder can play in the middle of the ice. He's a really good skater. He's competitive. He kills penalties. He can create opportunities with his skating and 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 make life uncomfortable for opponents. He he he's you know he's uh, he, he's a dog on the bone competitively. So when I look at all those qualities of Ryder. I'm not looking at him and going, oh, geez, he's got to score 25 goals in the NHL to be a good player. I think he's got a lot of a lot of attributes in his game that will allow him to be a very solid player in the NHL and a player that teams will like having on their team because he can do a lot of different things. I go back to Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. You know, yeah, he, he wants to have the best player at every position and not like any other coach. But what he, also, what he also values, and what I should say, is what he understands first and foremost is that players need to offer different things. And so what he looks for is players that can do multiple things. And now you can put them in the different situations and, you can, and, and they can contribute in, in those situations. I think that's the type of player Ryder Korzak is. Well, and he was already involved in a pretty big trade as well uh, with yeah. the uh, Moose Jaw Warriors and the Calgary Hitmen. And he led the Moose Jaw Warriors by a bunch in scoring. And they weren't a very good team. I think they only won 14 <laughs> games last year. But oh, they weren't very good. There's a benefit to being a uh, you know being the standout guy on a bad team is you know you're getting the spotlight a lot now you're getting attention from the other players uh, the opposition but that also allows you to say I can I can get all the attention from the other team and still put up a lot of points so there are benefits to being on a bad team. Well, and I would say that he does, but 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 I, I think that also speaks to his sense and feel for the game because you know knowing that you, you don't have as many quality uh, uh, the support around you as you would maybe on a better team, you know, makes it a little bit harder. So you have to be able to to adapt as as the other team is going into the game, saying we just have to stop you. And I think that speaks volumes about Ryder. Like again, he's got good speed, he's quick, he's fast. You know, he plays at a good pace, he has good intensity. And, and he's a smart player. So I think you put all that together. And yeah, it was nice that he got those points. But but I think it, as he moves into the NHL, he, he's just going to be a, a, a really like a good, solid player. That's how I see him. And I, I, I think that playing in, uh, on a team like Moose Jaw was last year, I, I think it gives you a greater sense of, hey, listen, th th these are things I can do. 
and he wants to win and he, he, he's determined to, to, to do everything he can to help a team win. But as you get in with a better team, I, I, I think your, your value gets recognized uh, a little bit uh, greater, much like we see with Charlie Coyle in Boston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It's uh, There's a lot of definite correlations uh, with those guys. All right, let's move to the blue line now. A guy that plays for the U.S. National Development Team uh, in the USHL uh, and, and a member of actual high-level scouting in the UFFS because you recommended to Trish to try and grab him, and she did. So tell us about uh, Sean Behrens. Is it Behrens or Behrens? Uh, tell us I about think the it's Behrens. Sean Behrens. Right. Tell Barons. us about Sean. So, well, here's what I'll tell you about Sean. He, he, he steps out on the ice and he takes control of the game. That's what he does. Takes control of the game. There's, he, doesn't have his, he doesn't have his hand on the handbrake. He, he's, he, he starts off, he goes, hey, let's get our engines revved up. You know the, the starting line, gentlemen, start your engines? <laughs> you don't have to tell Sean to start his engine. Because his engine started and it's revving and he can go to zero to 60 real fast. And the way he approaches the game, he, he, he's not a player that's going to dip a toe. He's not a player that's going to sit by and watch how they, he, he's, a, he's a very active participant in the game. And, you know, you can look at the offensive part of his game and look at his points and how he jumps into the attack. He's exactly the same way defensively. He is in your face. He is under your, he gets leverage underneath you. He, he is going to be a player. And he's not going to be, he is a player that just will not, he, he does not go away or get himself pushed out of any competitive situation. With the puck, without the puck, offensively, defensively, he is that, you know, like, like, like you hear the story about the kid brother that's mm-hmm. always pushing his way into and 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 into and, and into the older brother's uh, you know way in space. You, yeah, that, 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 I knew what I was doing. <laughs> I knew I knew I could add something relatable here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Sean. Sean is the player that you, finally you just got to open up the door and say you're in. Okay, yeah, he's part of it, right? Because because he he's not going. He's not he's not interested in being anything less than a full participant. He, he's an excellent skater. And, you know, again, you can look at the height of Sean Barron's. And, and you know, I, and I, I do not get into this conversation. Sorry, wrong way of putting it. I do not get into this type of, uh, you know, thinking. You know, we hear things like, oh, he's a modern day defenseman. No, he isn't. He's just a good defenseman. You know what? Like, just because you're five foot ten doesn't mean that you're going to be a modern day defenseman. And just because you're six foot three doesn't mean you're not going to be a modern day defenseman. The qualities to be a good defenseman are, are, are the same. And what Sean possesses as a, as, a, as a defenseman that isn't tall is excellent power in his skating, excellent leverage. So he gets under opponents defensively. He doesn't get pushed out of position, uh, you know, when he's getting pressured because he's got that leverage. Great agility, great mobility. He can pivot, and 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 he's got this quickness in the skating that allows him to close on you defensively and and be part of the offense. Good hands, good shot, 
and a, and, a, and a mind that is alert and dialed in at all times. Like I said, he, he's not sitting there going, oh, what will I do here? He, he's looking. He's looking to exploit you. He's looking to take advantage of you. So, you know, you might hear this thing about, no, he's just a good defenseman. And I don't care if he's five foot seven or six foot seven. The kid can play. Yeah, I don't even know what the hell modern day defenseman or forward really even means, Craig. I don't know why people even say that because it's just so silly. But I can't wait for teams to overlook this guy because of his size. Like if if teams are going to overlook him because of his size, they're going to be massive, massive regrets. So who who does he remind you of? Because there's a there's so many great defensemen out there, and you've talked about Scott Niedermeyer being not the biggest guy, but uh, being able to control the game. Uh, I've read he has a lot of patience, but he takes advantage when he can who does he remind you of eric branstrom oh yeah yeah he went 15 to the vegas gold knights i mean he he became a he was a he was the key piece for the ottawa senators in the mark stone trade i think eric is going to be a really solid really good uh nhl defenseman for a lot of years but it was the same thing. Like, I mean, and, and like, I, re- I remember going into that draft and people were talking about Eric Branstrom. No, at all. Like, you know what? And again, like, there you go. Somebody, like, not somebody, the uh, Vegas Golden Knights just go, are you kidding me? Like, look at who they took 13. You remember who they took 13? Uh, I do not off the top of my head. They no. took Nick Suzuki. Oh, like, yeah. How good is, how good is Nick right. Suzuki? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But he's too small. And, and he be, he's too and, small. He's too small. But right? he became, well, uh, he, oh, uh, you know what the talk, well, oh, he, he did a lot of flash. You know, he doesn't skate that great. Dick Suzuki is a top player. He mm. became, he, he came over in the Max Pacioretty trade. Right. And then Eric Branstrom goes 15th. He comes over in, in, in the Mark Stone draft. So, you know, Vegas, without ha- drafting those players and recognizing the ability of those players, you know what? You're not going to be able to go and acquire a Max Pacioretty or or a Mark Stone in that in that respect. So you know, to me, you know, you, you watch Sean Barron's play. I have no doubts about. I, I really I have no doubts about Eric Branstrom. I think he got pushed maybe a little bit further uh, last year uh, ahead, a little bit too quick. But I think once he settles in, he's going to be a real solid NHL player. And I feel the same way about Sean Barron's and. You know what, if you want to, again, if you want to go and scout with a tape measure, go ahead. You know what, <laughs> uh, you know what it is? You know what I call it? And somebody said this to me. It's, it's you know, irresponsible scouting. Yeah, you know, it's it, negligent scouting. That's that. When, when I hear stuff like that, the first term that comes to my mind, negligent scouting. Yeah. You know what I'm going to do? You know, like uh, people like get things like knitted or crocheted on a thing. I'm going to get something and we'll get it in a set. It's going to say scouting with a tape measure leads to regret. I'm going to get one of those things made up because that's exactly what we were talking about. You regret decisions. Oh, maybe he wasn't too small. I'm going to get, I'm going to get uh, uh, somebody who knows how to knit to make me something like that or whatever the, the form is. Put it on a ruler and, and, and <laughs> only have the ruler and only have the ruler, okay, wait a second, and only have the ruler go to 68 inches. Right. Which is That's five foot eight. One. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Great stuff, Craig. Well, hopefully we get some better news about uh, the World Junior Tournament and obviously the surrounding uh, COVID-19 situation. But thanks so much for joining me today, and we'll chat next week. We will. And, and, and you know, when we chat next week, uh, I think we'll have a lot more clarity uh, to the situation with respect to the World Junior uh, Tournament. But I, I just want to finish with this. I mean, uh, the organizers in Edmonton, 
the IIHF, Hockey Canada. I mean, they have put in tremendous effort to try to pull off and, and to make a, a World Junior Tournament uh, a reality. And, and that hasn't lessened in, in the days now. And so, again, uh, the protocols that they've worked with the Alberta Health Services and the Government of Canada and the Government of Alberta are tremendous. And, you know, I, I, I really am in, in, in a state of, uh, of, of real optimism that we that we can have a, a a real good strong world junior tournament in Edmonton. This is a serious message. Craig Button joins us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. Become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we gotta win it. UFFS, you own the game. Another fun chat with Mr. Craig Button. Always enjoy those. And we will bring you Craig's counsel down the road. We'll probably do one mid-season and then at the end of the season like we did last year. But that's where Craig will take your questions uh, and um, give you some stories uh, like he did there with the Harry Sinden story. Uh, so it's a mixture of scouting tips and uh, you know what to look for in certain uh, types of players, what Craig looks for, how he scouts, and also some great stories from his time in the world of hockey, and he has a lot of them. So we will bring you Craig's counsel. You can send your questions my way, trackingthedraft at gmail dot com, and uh, we will put those into the pile that we have already collected uh, okay that's going to wrap things up for us uh, on another episode here on uh, tracking the draft with craig button but please if you did enjoy the show uh, let us know uh, leave us a review subscribe wherever you find your podcast check out the youtube channel at podcast alley and also check out podcastalley.ca to find different podcasts and video shows as well so that's www.podcastalley.ca and if you'd like to be a part of this show hit me up with an email at tracking the draft at gmail.com that's gonna wrap things up for another program episode eight thanks to craig button the director of scouting at tsn for joining me as usual with his passion and his knowledge and you the listener and the viewer thank you so much for joining us and helping to grow this show as we continue to track the draft here where the stars of tomorrow are discovered my name is dean millard for craig button we'll chat next week <laughs>